Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Today I thought it'd be interesting to pick up where we left off last time with episode 117, which was titled Anna's Story, Interpreting Experience. If you listened to that episode, you heard longtime listener Anna uh, talking with me and Greg and sharing some of her experiences and disappointments and questions. And I, I don't know, I just wanted to, I wanted to bounce a few things off you and see what, see what your, say what your take is or what, what you, I guess, so I'll just get right to the punchline. I was totally encouraged by our conversation with her. And yeah. I kept asking myself, why is it because, um, is it, does it have something to do with just hearing someone else's story? And what is it about hearing someone else's story? And like, maybe that was something. And then I think there was another part of it that, you know, her story, at least so far, doesn't like have the perfect happy ending. Yeah. And instead of being like a downer, I felt encouraged by that. Like, why am I encouraged by this story that, you know, doesn't have a great ending yet? And, you know, what's what's going on there? So I don't know. I was just kind of curious if 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 you had a similar what do you think about those things? And had did you have a similar experience or a different experience or what what are your thoughts kind of a couple weeks later? Hmm. Well, I certainly thought, yeah, thanks for mentioning those points and I I really valued Anna coming on and I think she was just really uh frank and um gave a lot of content and a lot of food for thought in terms of the perspective she presented and just the experiences that she recounted, um, you know, both positive and negative. Um, I mean, I think a couple of things. First of all, I, I guess a lot of what she said sounded, on the one hand, very hopeful, very promising. On the other hand, yeah, there, there was this sort of... Um, these common themes of, of rejection or misunderstanding or whatever in terms of the, uh, the responses she received back. You know, it's funny and I'm, I'm, I won't draw the parallel any further, but that, 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 that does sound a lot like the gospel stories. You know, there's, there's, there's someone here presenting something, this new perspective and, um, it's, uh, genuine, generally rejected, generally misunderstood. um, I guess there was a true-to-life aspect to it that I've, I really found valuable. I mean, we've talked at length with Anna, or communicated at least, uh, over emails and other sort of, uh, you know, uh, comments on Facebook and our private Facebook group. So she's really commented a lot and given us a, given us a lot of content. So it's, I think the other thing that I found encouraging is that everything she, the kind of, story that she presented and the way that she fleshed herself out, if you will, in the podcast was very much in keeping with the other things and the other ways in which she's presented herself and presented her story and past through emails and comments on Facebook. And so that was also, but it was also some new information. So it's just like the fact that the stories and the kind of, there's a consistency and some common threads, um, that continue. I think I find that encouraging and it just seems normal. I mean, that's what I expected of normal life. I don't expect people to be all over the map and, 
you know, having various different experiences and, and then having, you know, vastly different responses to them. But I wonder, I wonder what do you think it was about Anna's story? What parts of it? I think I feel really not connected with you. Well, and I feel bad saying this. I, I think, I think what I connected with was that it, that it, that it wasn't a success. Like, mm. because it, it, like, I, I resonate with the sense of like, it hasn't all worked out perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of, you know, what the way I understood that it was supposed to happen. And right. so I think it, to, at a certain level, I, I just kind of felt like, okay, so I'm not like completely crazy and, you know, this doesn't work out perfectly for everyone. And here's someone that's kind of, I don't know, I, I don't want to say we're in the same boat, but I think we're, we're, we're I think we had much different experiences, um, but yet maybe still kind of at the same place. I don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting to me because often when we talk about experience, that's a real touchstone for you. You know, and and Anna has had some of these powerful experiences, and yet they've resulted not in her. I mean, there's a there's a closeness. There was a closeness with God, and yet that's not there now. And it certainly hasn't resulted in a lot of inclusion in the Christian community. I mean, if anything, these experiences and her talking about them have caused her to lose friends, right? And so I wonder how, you know, um, yeah, I'm. I don't think that's the kind of, I think there's something more going on there than, 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 you know, I don't know how to say it other than the kind of misery loves company. In other words, that you, <laughs> knowing that somebody else has shares something of the, you know, the difficulty that you share makes it a little bit more bearable, but I think there's more there. Okay. Um, yeah, because I mean, on one, on the one hand, it, she, she seems to have had, maybe not have now, but have had some of those things that you're really looking for. Some of that confirmation. Yes, yes. You know, and yet um, she's got, she's feeling very kind of ostracized and apart from the Christian community. Um, my sense is that, I mean, I don't know to what degree would you use those words for yourself or just, just apart from the Christian community? Yeah, I don't know that I feel ostracized. I just, I just feel like I, I haven't had the same experiences that they do. So hmm. there's either something wrong with me or something wrong with them or somewhere in the middle or I don't know. Who's the them though? The, 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 I don't know, the Christian community in air quotes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the people with these experiences of God, you know, that um, it's made their lives completely different and better and they can't imagine living without it and. God yeah, is totally real to them and all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, some of those things, I mean, Anna, I, I, th- I think I heard Anna saying in terms of, you know, it's, it's, it's been very transformative and she is, she feels the loss of it ongoingly. Right. Um, yeah. On that note, I thought one interesting thing that you raised that I would love to talk more with her about and maybe start with you though was your comment that that maybe those experiences were only for a period of time and they were not meant to continue that that kind of caught me off guard like what do you like like huh uh because i think the expectation is that with 
you know, if if you experience God one way, that like that's just who God is, and you'll always experience Him that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's. You see, again, this, this gets back to some of that that whole overpersonalization of of a, of what's going on with God. I think. So I think God is at work to advance God's kingdom, and I think God loves us, and I think those two things overlap, and they don't overlap, right? Um, God can love me, and yet it's God's not going to show up every day in in tangible ways to reassure me that my belief in Christianity, my belief in God, and et cetera, um, is valid and, and um, legitimate. I just don't think that's what it's all about. That would be all about God trying to win me at any cost. And I don't think that's what is going on. I think what's going on is that God is seeking to advance God's kingdom, that God has laid out the, if you look, the framework of what that kingdom consists of by establishing who God is, by establishing similarly who and what human beings are, and then by laying out how the two should relate to each other. And the crescendo note, if you like, in the story, the unfolding of that framework is the life, life and death, not just death, life and death of Jesus um, as the one who fulfilled the covenant, who lived as Israel was supposed to have lived and who takes on the kind of covenant punishments or penalties, if you like, for Israel. And it was paved the way, finally, for the kind of blessings that were talked about and promised to Abraham in Genesis, beginning of Genesis 12, uh, to, to be realized. And then it's open to everybody. But, but this idea that God always stays the same in the sense that I will always experience God in the same way, I think is a, is a misunderstanding. Isn't you know, there a verse on that in the Bible? He's yeah, the same but, today, yesterday, and forever. Oh man, this is just this is just Bible pastiche. Like this, is, this sucks. I mean, I'm, I'm there at church and I'm listening to this. I'm listening to this. This. Oh, man, now you're really oh getting me here. I'm like lit a fire. <laughs> this was. I, I was there listening. You know, I mean, this has been happening week after week with church, and I'm listening to these 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 choruses. And I must admit, I have to admit this. Other folks are leading the worship, and I am glad. I am glad that they are doing that because it means that I don't have to do that. Right, I've I've given over my responsibility to step up and do that, and I acknowledge that. And there's definitely a degree to which I'm glad. That out of the way, <laughs> that having been said, <laughs> that having been said, these songs are. It's like it's it's just a whole bunch of freaking Christian sound bites. You know, the one who is and was and is to come, and <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff all thrown together. And I'm like, I just think that we don't, this is, this gets back to some of the criticisms that I have when we were talking about good and beautiful God. And this guy is talking about, um, Christians having a narrative. I don't think Christians have a narrative about God at all. Most Christians just have a couple of sound bites. They've got some of the crescendo sound bites, right? They've got the Jesus came and died for you. There's not, not really much on Jesus living. Jesus was born, died, which is kind of a repetition of the creeds and, 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 you know, ba-boom, um, that does it all. And by the way, you're alienated from God and you've been, you've been rebelling from God since you were born and all, all these other sort of sound bites that are in there detached from the greater story, detached from the biblical story that gives that crescendo the force and beauty and subtlety that it really possesses. And we strip it away. And we do this with our hymns too. And so I think some of this is just an outworking. It's the same sort of outworking. I'm not sort of pointing at Anna and saying that. 
you know, I, I would be responding in the same way that Anna is responding if the closeness and proximity that I experienced with God was something that was removed. The, although, although I would say this, that I think a lot of that closeness and proximity is regenerated or renewed through study. So I had, um, I made a comment. I stood up at my church. I made a comment two weeks ago. I've had two people approach me on that. And they're, they're not entirely happy with the things that I said. <laughs> and, Can we go there? Or does that take us too much off topic? <laughs> well, now I'm curious. We'll, we'll go there without going too far there. Okay. Lingering. But um, I made a comment. I had had people praying for me about um, some of the opportunities that had arisen for me relative to my new um, um, I guess mediation practice, my family mediation practice. And one of those opportunities was um, having people praying for me as I was, you know, just, just, just establishing the practice. And, and out of this, there was this opportunity that arose when I went to the courthouse. Uh, uh, let me just, so that's a rephrase, I guess, of what I said just a minute ago. Uh, and I explained to them what happened when I went to the courthouse and that, um, essentially I, I wasn't sure whether they were even going to put up my flyers. They decided to put up my flyers. They not only did that, they asked for more. They not only did that, they said that they would set up a meeting with each of the circuit judges that circuits through in the family court system so that I could get to know them. And, um, I thought this was incredible. Which would be a potential source of business. In other words, you oh, yeah. would do mediation with these clients instead of them being the court system they would come to you. They'd be your clients. Well, they would be in the court system, but the judges would be aware of my presence. I'm a new person in town. I'm a new person within, the, there's no one within a hundred miles of where I am. And so this is a great opportunity. If the judges know I'm here, then they can very well just direct the clients right to me. Mm-hmm. And it's in everybody's best interest. So that's fantastic. But the comment I made was that um, I'm not sure, and I, I, didn't, I didn't phrase this the right way. I, 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 what I wanted to say was, I'm not sure how much of this has to do with God and how much of this, and when I'm referring to this, I was referring to the warm welcome and to the extra generosity. But how much of this had to do with God? How much of this has to do with the fact that this is a community that has been starved for this form of assistance for a long time? And these people are the people who really know it. They're, they don't even refer clients to mediation in the family court system because it's just so embarrassing that they have to travel so far. And typically when they're traveling that far, they're traveling in a car together and it's just like a step forward, a step and a half back. It's just probably not even worth it. And yet what are they going to do? So it's, it's a bad situation. But yes, yeah, some people took me to, to task on that because I mean, I think I said, I'm not sure if this is how much, how much, or if this is God or if this is a community that is, um, you know, starved for, this type of assistance and service, but I see this as a marker of God's kingdom expanding. Well, they didn't really like that. They didn't like the fact that you were questioned. They didn't like the fact that you weren't 100% certain that this had just been God's blessing versus, "Mm, I don't know how much God had to do with this or not. Yeah, or what exactly God had to do with it. You know, I hadn't really sat there and thought it out. And now that I have taken a little more time, I think... Yeah, there was a degree of enthusiasm and generosity there that was extra. It was above and beyond, you know, because I then went back on the day that I had this meeting set up with the judge, which was the court day. I met 
uh, not only the judge, I met the court clerk, I met the court librarian, I met um, um, the entire law practice in my small town here. I met one of the practitioners, one of the lawyers, the senior fellows. And he had his other three senior partners there on that day, and he brought them all over. When I, he was standing there with me, he said, I have to introduce you to this man. He's our new mediator in town. He's our, he's our go-to man. And so there was, on the one hand, the sense I got, which was confirmed, is everybody is aware that they've been missing this service in this town for a long, long time. And I don't think that, in other words, God sort of, uh, you know, people prayed for me. And I don't think God sort of made people wake up in the morning and say, we need a mediator. <laughs> I think they've known this for years. They haven't had one. But I do wonder, with the degree of uh, generosity, with people, you know, setting up meetings with judges for me, that's a little unusual, you know, and um, the type of response I got, I felt like the lawyers were treating me like a colleague. That was really warm, like really, really, uh, they, they could have been much more standoffish, much more of the position that, yeah, this guy might take some of our business. And and I might, right? So uh, for me, there are indicators of who and what God is in terms of some of the above and beyond that was part of those events. But I'm still curious why, what, what the people, if it's okay to go into, like what, why were they so uncomfortable with your uncertainty? Um, I think, I think for one of them, it was the idea that they had been praying or she'd been praying uh, for us as a family over a long, long period of time and had seen all these good things. And it almost appeared that I was, you know, responding as though their prayers were not valuable, not effective, not mm. worthwhile. Mm. So we talked a little bit about that. And the other fellow, uh, his perspective was, you know, God changes people's minds. And this comes coming back to my original point of one of the ways I think of maintaining closeness with God is, is research. So he, he brought up um, the text with dealing with uh, Cyrus and Darius in, in Ezra. And of course, there's the kind of famous, famous text in, in Exodus where God is, you know, hardening Pharaoh's heart. And um, <clears throat> truth be told, I, I haven't done this very much in the last two, three months, but I, I, I took a good chunk of time to go over all the uh, occurrences of God hardening people's hearts or changing people's minds or all this stuff in, in, in the biblical text. Uh, I looked at two or three articles, one on um, um, yeah, Exodus and this kind of God acting with Pharaoh. There's, there are tons of articles on that one. And then another one on this relationship between Darius and Cyrus and, and how they um, act I guess, to help the Israelites, and Cyrus is the one who gives them the decree that they can go back. They can leave Babylon. He's conquered Babylon and gives them the freedom to go back. And then later Darius uh, signs off on them actually building a wall. They're building, rebuilding a wall around Jerusalem. You know, what's going on there? And um, I think one of the things that I find just incredibly encouraging is that going and spending putting out the effort, putting out the time, digging, and just looking through the text. So I use my, um, uh, what is it called? The database I have that I use. Concordance? Uh, 
No, no, it's an actual database. It's a blah, 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 blah. I'm searching for the name. Um, it's Accordance. It's Accordance, the Accordance database. So it's a scholarly uh, database with a whole bunch of stuff hooked into it, lexicons and all that stuff. And I use that. And then I've also still got my uh, ATLA, uh, American Theological Libraries Association. Um, I've got a <clears throat> kind of a partial um, alumni version of that, which gives me anything that's in full text I can see. So I can pull some stuff off. Maybe I'm getting about 30% of what's out there on that database. The other ones that just give you um, like an abstract, I, I can't access. Um, so but by using those things and by kind of working with some of these questions, like, okay, does God really do that? So this fellow's proposition was, hey, how do you know God didn't change their minds? How do you know God didn't do that? And my response was, I, I don't think God acts that way. And then he raises these these. <laughs> I can totally see you saying that, and then this person be like, "What? <laughs> I don't know well, who he, this person is, but that would be the natural response at church, anyway." In my yeah, experience. I think so. I think so. But but I mean, and this is good. This is a good subject for another podcast later on. But it was just really reassuring, and in some ways, really stunning to me, just to see this layout and unfold as I'm reading through Exodus, and I'm thinking, yeah. This is not about God changing somebody's mind. This is about God establishing God's identity. This is not about a, you know, a person and God. This is about a monumental figure. What in that point would have been the most uh, deified human uh, on the planet and God and God making a point. So, and then in the other piece where both the Israelites come back to Jerusalem, they're permitted to leave. And then later when they create the wall, um, it, it's just amazing looking at some of the um, political happenings at the time, like for the wall, for example, um, the Persians were having huge issues with the Greeks on the one hand, with the Egyptians on the other hand, and having the Israelites set a wall around that around Jerusalem that was actually one less problem they had to deal with. And then, of course, when you're reading it, you're also reading, oh, look, I want you to go back and set up uh, the temple in Jerusalem. Why? So that you will pray for me and so that things will go well for me. So it's not just this sort of random God changing people's minds, but these are major figures in the transition, if you will, from you know, God making a promise to God bringing out a people to that people going into exile, to God keeping that promise by having them come back from exile, reestablishing Jerusalem. In other words, there's a whole big story that's involved there. And that story, God will act to fulfill. This is sort of my point about, you know, God will bring about God's kingdom. But to think that I am, I could be equated to Pharaoh or to Darius or to Cyrus is ridiculous, right? I am not a major pivotal person at a hinge moment in the establishing of the framework of God's kingdom. I'm not. And neither are you. Neither is anybody in this, at this particular moment in time. We have got to get over that, right? So this whole sort of personalization thing of God's supposed to show up for me and God's supposed to do this and this and this and this. Well, I think God does show up, right? You know, we've talked about this before in this whole sort of God shows up individually or personally, but not necessarily individually, 
right? So maybe I, I misused those words earlier in the podcast, but um, in the sense that God affects people personally, but not each one of us individually is going to have to necessarily have that. And so to kind of come back to your point about Anna, I don't know. I don't know if Anna's situation was, or Anna's experiences of God were meant to, what they were meant to do, to cultivate a relationship, I'm sure. But to do more than that, and then is the longing for that something that is necessary in Anna's life? I don't know. I mean, it sounds a little harsh, I recognize, but we've had discussions before about, you know, me uh, trying to figure out if I'm going to divorce my wife and me praying like crazy and having more people. This was the other thing that was a little, I haven't said this to the folks at church yet, but I mean, they said, yeah, there's lots of us that have been praying for you for a long time. And I just thought, and I, I know of moments where there probably would have been five times as many people praying. And we had that, I had that incident where, you know, I've described it like my car breaks down and somebody pulls up. It's like God who pulls up and instead of asking, saying, hey, need a hand changing that wheel? Just hands me a hot dog and drives off. <laughs> That's right. You know, and I don't know what podcast that is. If you can come up with that number off the top of your head, you are a genius. I think it's in the 50s. I could be wrong. <laughs> You're incredible. I could be wrong. 50s or 60s is my guess, but what do I know? Uh, you normally you've got it, but keep talking. I'll I'll look. <laughs> oh, you're incredible. I guess it's just that you know that that there's, um, I am important, and I am not the focus. Anna's important. Anna's not the focus. You're important. You're not the focus. And until we can put those two things together and hold that tension. I think we risk misconceiving either that I'm not important to God, that I'm nowhere on God's map, or that I am somehow in the middle of God's map and everybody else is kind of just a little outside that middle. No, neither of those things are correct as far as I can see. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what... Um, I, I'm making stabs in the dark in terms of Anna. You know, to be honest, I, I would wonder if we bounce this idea of, off of her, the research piece, and it, that could be something more to do with me and my 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 nature and my my makeup, and you know, also when it comes to research, I'm not as as easily frustrated. Not only because I've got a background in research and in biblical research at that, but because I've got a lot of tools. You know, you're, you're trying to install a, a shelving unit or something, and you don't have the right tools. Uh, there are a few things more frustrating than that. So having Accordance, which is considered the number one biblical database software, having um, a pretty good personal library, and then having um, my uh, uh, alumni access to the American Theological Library's database, and having everything I've got on that database is going to be a full article. So it's not just a, a, a an abstract or like a lead it's an actual it's actual content there and if it's the right stuff that can be super helpful so yeah i don't know how much that i don't know how much that helps other people if they don't have the same resources or resources of the same quality you're still looking aren't you no i'm shaking my head and wondering where we're going next <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I mean, what do you what do you think about? I mean, I I don't know. It would be nice to ask Anna. You know. Yeah, I think that uh, if there's any place my mind was going, I was like, I don't want to. I don't. Yeah, I feel uncomfortable speculating. Like we should just talk to her again. <laughs> like we should have her back on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'd love to go into some of that other piece about, um, you know, I don't think that for myself in terms of my own satisfaction level, the research isn't done about this question of God changing people's minds. Um, it's mostly kind of getting pretty solid, but it's not done yet. But I'd love to bring that out at a future point. Yeah, I think that would be a great topic. Chat about that. Yeah, because it really struck me strongly that people wanted to... It's just there's there's so much Bible in some of those people, if I can put it that way. And if it shows up in the Bible, if I can make sense of it in the Bible, then it must be true. Well, well, yeah. And I mean, what's coming to me is that the whole reason that you pray is so that God will do something. Like, you know, and if you push to an extreme, you know, the whole God is a cosmic vending machine, you know, please please, I need this or I need that or don't make it rain tomorrow or I, I I need something. And because God takes care of all of our needs, we just have to pray. Yeah, well, it's that kind of, I like that cosmic vending machine or I would say magical Jesus or whatever. And and I think that's something I'm really trying to push back against, this idea, the, the distinction between a religious belief and and a superstition. You know, a superstition is very formulaic. You can follow a formula and things go right for you, right? Do the right uh, service or kind of um, ceremony in the right order, do the right things, et cetera. And this kind of gets back into that whole sin list, you know, that you're, you've raised before about, you know, if I, if I just make sure that I'm not, not sinning. I'm, I'm doing these things right. I'm not doing these things wrong. And then what, you know, God just, things work out with me and God, or I have more closeness and intimacy with God. And therefore I have more experiences like Anna does. Then my calls go through to heaven. Otherwise the lion's down. Yeah. And I just, it hasn't been my experience you know, that I've prayed for certain things and I feel like I've definitely got responses. And the response to what do I do with my spouse was, do your work, Greg. I've given you this work to do. Do it. That totally does not help, God. <laughs> that is totally not going to help. And God's answer is nothing. Well, you know, and truth be told, I, I of course, didn't didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do my work. I, I was preoccupied with many other things. Had I done my work, had that, would it have worked out better? My hunch is it probably would have, although I can't, still can't see how. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. 
Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.